Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this story of a life that was transformed uh, by the gospel, by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, uh, we pray that you would transform our hearts here this morning. As we worship you, as we meditate on your word, as we read your scriptures, Father, that your spirit would take these humble elements and use them to shape us more and more into your image and to bring our affections, our hearts, in line with the truth of the gospel. We pray, for all, the, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Over the, uh, over the past two months, we've been looking progressively through the book of Luke. We haven't looked so much at the teachings of Jesus, but we've looked more at the things that Jesus did, his deeds, what he actually did in his behavior and how he acted. And we've looked at how, as we've as we journeyed through this book of Luke, which was actually really wit- written for well-to-do urbanites, Luke continues to present us with this question of who is Jesus? Who was he? Who is he now? And as we've walked through this road, we've seen Jesus baptized. We've seen him face temptations. We've seen him call disciples, followers of him. We've seen him heal the sick. We've seen him perform miracles over nature and miracles of healing. And we've seen time and time again that Jesus had a heart or a desire to interact with the unclean, with the marginalized, and with the outcast in society. And as we've gone through the book of Luke, we've really noticed very, uh, something that's very simple, that, that there was really two options for anybody who interacted with Jesus. They either accepted him for who he was, or they rejected him for who he was. And as you look throughout the Gospel of Luke, you note that by and large, Jesus, as he walked the face of this earth, by and large, Jesus had to walk a path of rejection. The same question is true for us as well. Do we accept who Jesus was, or do we reject who Jesus was? And many in our culture, when they think about Jesus, they think about all sorts of different things. Uh, They settle into all sorts of middle ground as to who Jesus is or to who Jesus was. Some people really admire Jesus. They look at his life. They look at the way he was kind to people and they admire him. Some people even look at Jesus and they say they want to exemplify Jesus. There's certain things about his character that I want to be about. They respect certain things that he said and certain things that he he, uh, did. They want to take elements of Jesus and then leave some other elements behind. But the truth is, Jesus, when he was here, claimed and was the Son of God. And, but for many people, that's a whole other thing that they don't even want to touch or they don't even want to deal with. And what Luke does is Luke doesn't allow us to have any middle ground. He doesn't allow us to only embrace a sliver of Jesus. Either we accept him for who he said he was or we reject him. In the story of Zacchaeus, we learn what it means really to accept Jesus in a very profound and a very life-transforming way. And what I'd like to do this morning is really look briefly and very simply at three elements of what it means to really and truly accept Jesus. What it means to really and truly be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for some of you that are sitting here, you might think that this sermon is just for somebody who's deciding whether or not to accept Jesus. Somebody who, for the first time, might be confronted with Jesus. But hopefully we'll see that if you've followed him your entire life, 
Whether it's from your birth, you've heard about Jesus, you knew he was God, whether you've followed him your whole life, there are daily moments where we have choices in which we are going to follow Jesus or instead follow our own desires. Because the truth is, whether we accept or reject Jesus, it really applies to every step along the faith journey. So three really simple things about what it means to accept Jesus and have a life that is transformed by him. The first is that accepting Jesus changes us internally. Accepting Jesus changes us internally at the heart level, at the very deepest core of our inner selves, at the deepest core of our inner beings. Like it or not, Christmas season is almost here. For some reason, it comes earlier every year, and it seems to happen right after Halloween now. I remember before it would happen after Thanksgiving, but now it happens right after Halloween. So get yourselves ready, because, because it's coming. Every Christmas season, uh, I liked, there's, there's five movies, there's five Christmas movies that I like to see on every Christmas season, and I try to do whatever I can to at least watch a portion of each one of these five Christmas movies. And one of the movies on my list is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is hands down the funniest Christmas movie that is out there. And I'm sure most of you have seen it, but if you haven't, the movie tells a story of a family man named Clark Griswold. And, and it, it goes through his story and all the funny things that happened to them throughout the Christmas season and all that sort of stuff. But the main story is about Clark and his, his Christmas bonus. You see, every year, Clark expects to receive a a pretty big Christmas bonus from his boss at the end of the year. He's worked for a company for a long time. He gets this bonus every single year. So this year, he was expecting to receive his Christmas bonus, and he'd actually put a deposit down on a swimming pool that he was going to put in his backyard with his Christmas bonus. But as the holiday season goes on, time and time, he doesn't receive the bonus. He's getting more nervous. Where is, when is my bonus coming? And then all of a sudden, on Christmas Eve, something happens. Unbeknownst to Clark, his boss, Frank Shirley, decided to not do Christmas bonuses this year. Instead, what he chose to do is to enroll each one of his employees in the Jelly of the Month Club to which his cousin Ed said is the gift that keeps on giving throughout the year. So it's Christmas Eve, and, and, and Clark Griswold, uh, there's a knock at the door, and Clark's nervous because he hasn't received his Christmas bonus, and, and the door opens, and he receives his Christmas bonus. He thinks, man, this is going to be great. It came on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a lot of money, and he opens the envelope and finds out that he's been enrolled in the Jelly of the Month Club. Well, at this point, Clark Griswold flips out. He goes on an angry tirade, he kicks things, he throws things, he gets upset, he curses all over the place because he's so upset, and what he says is he wishes his boss, Frank Shirley, was here because he would give him a piece of his mind. You see, in that moment, Frank Shirley, to Clark Griswold, embodied everything that was unjust in this world. He was hated, he was loathed, he was oppressing the Griswolds, he was keeping them from doing everything that he could, and at that moment, Clark Griswold hated no one as much as he hated his boss, Frank Shirley. Well, Zacchaeus, in our story, is a very similar character to Frank Shirley. 
Later in his ministry, Jesus is traveling through the city of Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem, where he will eventually be uh, arrested, tried, and executed. But he's passing through Jericho. And as he's passing through Jericho, he meets this character named Zacchaeus. The passage tells us that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, he was rich, and that he was a tax collector. And to live in Jericho under Roman rule meant that you were subjected to two different taxes— The first would be a direct tax, and that tax you would have to pay directly to the Roman officials in order to be able to live in this town. The second tax would have been more of an indirect tax. And what the Roman government would do is they would hire these these subcontractors that would go out and would collect the taxes from everyone in the town. Zacchaeus was one of these subcontractors. He would go throughout town and collect these indirect taxes from the Romans. And he carried a certain amount of authority with him because, they, because the people knew that if they did not pay Zacchaeus, that they could eventually be arrested for not paying their taxes. But these, these chief tax collectors were crafty individuals. And what they would do is they would add on a little bit of money here and a little bit of money there in order to line their own wallets. So as someone would have to pay a tax, they would know that the person collecting this tax was not giving all that they were asking for directly to the Roman government. They were saving some of it and putting it in their own pocket. And Zacchaeus had become rich because of this. And what he had done is he had ended up oppressing an entire community, so much so that the whole community loathed Zacchaeus. They couldn't stand him. He was hated. If there was one person in the town that was the object of their hatred and their loathing, it was Zacchaeus. And there was nothing they could do about it. They were absolutely helpless to do anything about the situation in which they were in because they knew if they didn't pay Zacchaeus, they could be arrested. So they hated him because of his behavior. They hated him for what he did because he was the snake of the town. Well, the passage tells us that Jesus comes to town Zacchaeus wants to, do, wants to see him, and Jesus calls Zacchaeus down from the tree. You see, Zacchaeus was up in the tree. I know in, in the kids' stories and in the songs we like to sing, it's, we try to focus on the fact that Zacchaeus was short, and that was his biggest problem. Well, that wasn't actually his biggest problem. Take comfort, all you short people out there. That was not his biggest problem. His biggest problem was actually his behavior and the fact that the crowd hated him. He knew the crowd would block him from seeing Jesus, but he didn't just want to see Jesus. He wanted to know who he was. He wanted to know who this character of Jesus was, so he runs ahead from the crowd who he knew would block him because they hate him so much. He climbs up into a tree, and of course, Jesus calls him down, and Jesus says to him, I want to feast at your house today. Now, that might not seem like a big deal to us, but in Jesus' day, to feast at someone's house was in a high honor. And to have Jesus actually come to Zacchaeus' house was one of the highest honors Jesus would have ever, ever, or one of the highest honors Zacchaeus would have ever experienced. You can imagine the crowd at this point. They're amazed. They're shocked. They're wondering why, out of all the people in this town that Jesus could go feast with, why would they choose this snake? Why would they choose this lowlife? Why would they choose this sinner? But in the end of the story, Jesus declared that salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to the life of Zacchaeus. The scriptures tell us that when we accept Jesus, it says that internally in our hearts and in our lives, 
we are actually transferred from a condition of spiritual death to a condition of spiritual life. We experience the forgiveness of our sins that we so desperately need. We no longer stand before God condemned as enemies before God. We stand before Him as children. And we are clothed in the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It transforms us powerfully internally. It transforms us powerfully on the heart level in a way that nothing else in this world can. But unfortunately, for a lot of followers of Jesus Christ, it ends there. For whatever reason, we live in a very, um, in a very individualized and, and very privatized sort of culture. And what I, mean by that, what I mean by that is this, is that in some ways we have relegated our spiritual lives to simply our private internal lives. And you hear this in culture a lot of times as you, as you go out in the world, that you, everybody says you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as you just keep it to yourself. As long as you don't talk about it, as long as you don't impose it on other people, as long as you keep it private, you can believe whatever you want to believe. And in some ways, we've bought into that. We believe Jesus, we're okay with just us, our Bible, and God. And we're okay individually, and we've privatized our faith. What we also have done in the process of that is we tend to compartmentalize our faith. And what that means is our faith only affects certain elements of our lives. It may determine what we do at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. It may determine this, it might determine that. But it doesn't really affect everything about us. Uh, if you know me at all, you know that I'm a, Ra- I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Ravens fan. If you're from Baltimore, most of you are as well. But the truth is, me being a Ravens fan doesn't really affect everything about my life. Well, it affects what I do probably on Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock. It may affect a sweatshirt I wear here or there. Uh, it might affect, you know, the, the, the quality of my voice after a football game or something like that. But in the everyday uh, life that I live, it doesn't affect it so much because really I'm just a fan. I think many people treat their relationship with Jesus Christ more as a fan than they do as a follower. Because the truth of what Christianity and the Scriptures tell us is that a true inward, transfer, a true inward transformation that comes from accepting Jesus has to affect everything about our lives. It doesn't just affect us internally, but it affects us externally. It doesn't just affect us in our hearts, but it affects us in our behavior. And look at the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus responds in a very dramatic way to this inward transformation that he experiences. Many of people have misunderstood this story to think that that Zacchaeus, uh, when he met Jesus, gave away all these these possessions, did all these wonderful things, and because he did all these wonderful things, then Jesus accepted him. But the truth is, is it's the reverse. Zacchaeus felt the radical acceptance of Jesus. He felt the love of God the Father, and because of that, he could not help but change how he lived his life. He could not help but change his behavior. He couldn't help but change what he did. He felt the radical acceptance of God, and it flowed out into a changed behavior and a radical generosity. Restitution in the ancient world was a very simple thing, and it was very prescribed how it would happen. But what what Zacchaeus does in our story is he goes above and beyond what restitution is. 
It was by all accounts an excessive sort of generosity that Zacchaeus did in response to being transformed by Jesus. It tells us that he radically gave half of his possessions to the poor and he restored fourfold to those he had wronged in his life. One of the things, if you hang out uh, here at City Church long enough, you'll know that one of our values, uh, it goes like this, City Church cares deeply about the integration of faith and career. And what we mean by that is we mean that being a follower of Jesus is meant to affect every element of our lives. Yes, it affects our career. It affects how we think about our work. It affects how we conduct ourselves in the workplace. But the truth is, and the reality is, it affects all things. It affects how we approach our money. It affects how we approach our time. It affects how we approach our recreation. It affects how we choose a spouse to give our lives to. There's no compartment of our lives that Jesus does not touch or does not affect. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, when it comes to following Jesus, what is the area of our lives that we are so resistant to give over to him? What are the areas that we just want to hang on to? What are the compartments that we're just not really willing to give over to Jesus quite yet? See, accepting Jesus and truly being a follower, not just a fan, but being a follower, means we give him everything. Every element of our heart, every element of our lives, and we allow the gospel to transform every piece of our being. The third element that accepting Jesus means, it, it, it affects us internally, it affects us externally, but it also changes our community. It changes our community. When we truly follow Jesus, it affects everyone around us as well. Think about our story. Not only was Zacchaeus changed internally, not only did it change his behavior, but his change transformed his entire community. The poor were blessed by Zacchaeus's conversion. The weight that Zacchaeus, the weight of oppression that Zacchaeus had put on the entire community because of what he was doing was eventually lifted, and the people received back the very things that they had lost by his behavior. You see, the truth is Zacchaeus's conversion restored justice in a community that had long been experiencing injustice. So think about yourselves as you sit here this morning. Think about your own relationship with Jesus Christ, whether you're hearing this for the first time and whether you're weighing whether to accept him with your life or not, or whether you've been on this path of following Jesus your entire life. The truth is, a relationship with him doesn't just affect us internally, it affects us externally, and God uses that to affect the communities in which you and I live and play and work in. Every sphere of influence Jesus wants to touch through you. And the truth is, this is what each and every one of us desires most, I think, at our deepest level. All of us resist following Jesus with every element of our lives, but all of us would say we wish there was something in our lives that would unite everything about us, that would touch every corner of our lives, every dark area of our hearts, we, we long for something bigger than us. We long for something transcendent of this world that would unite everything about our hearts and everything about our lives. And the truth is, a relationship with Jesus Christ is the very thing that we most desire. God knit us in our hearts to be at unrest until we find our rest in Him.
So the question is before you this morning. Where do you stand before Jesus? Do you accept Him? Do you reject Him? As we've looked at Him over the past weeks. But know that if you weigh accepting Him, know that when you do, He wants every piece of you. He wants every compartment. He wants every corner. He wants every piece of you. And He will use you to, fl- to, to transform the spheres of influence that you live in and the areas of your life that He walks you in. But when we enter a relationship with Jesus Christ, we know that we receive that thing in which we most desire in our lives. You know, at the very beginning of our story, the crowd hated Zacchaeus. They wanted him gone. He was the object of loathing for the entire community. You know, the truth is, at the end of the story, they probably hated Jesus. In the beginning of the story, they rejected Zacchaeus. In the end, they rejected Jesus. Because how could we serve a God who hangs out with sinners? And the truth of what the gospel tells us is that Jesus walked that path of rejection throughout his life here on this earth so that you and I could receive the acceptance of the gospel. Who is Jesus? He was God's Son who took on skin and dwelt among us. Why did he come? Verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Will you accept him or will you reject him? That is the question that Luke presents to us. Let's pray.